Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jedekin. What's going on, Rachel? Too much. Oh, yeah. It's good to see you. Good to see you. This lovely Monday day. So, Pretty gloomy today. So perfect for an eerie story. Yes, I'm excited about this one. <laughs> I'm just going to thank our Patreon contributors for this past week. This week we had Molly, Hannah, Chillin, Megan, Jessica, Dan, Joyce, Robert, Sadie, Jane, Craig, Jill, Eloise, and Michael. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. I also wanted to just give a special uh, belated birthday shout out to our listener, Amy. Yes. Happy birthday, Amy. Happy birthday. I hope you had a great day. Um, Okay, so we're continuing our haunted Halloween month. I love this month. It's pretty fun. Yeah. In 2005, a movie was... Why can't I say this? It's hard to say it. A movie was released called The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Did you see this movie, Rachel? I didn't. Okay. I apologize for not watching it. You know what? It's fine because it's not a great movie. Oh, you watched it. I'll get to it later. I had seen it a long time ago, but I rewatched it because I was doing this episode. Anyway, I am normally a huge fan of devilly exorcism type movies it's one of my favorite horror genres i'm not like the horror freak that you are (laughs) and weirdly enough i'm not a big fan of usually of exorcism devilly horror movies right so i mean i like slasher and all types of horror movies but i think because i love 70s horror there was just so much of that or the big films of that time were like really devil centric (laughs) hot satan bitch (laughs) um so i kind of just got really into that sort of stuff well there was like this whole new wave of exorcism ghosty demonic possession movies yeah they're just hilarious to me and it's beyond the devil stuff because i liked the ghosty kind of ones too where they're just possessed or religious like a a religious angle to it right um, as well like carrie or something i think i find them really scary even though i think the stories are all fake And I don't believe that it's real. Yeah. I do think the people believe it's really happening. Right. And that kind of makes it scary to me. And just because I don't think it's true, it doesn't mean that their belief in it isn't making these horrifying things happen. Right. uh, Beyond just the spiritual stuff. So, and that's pretty much the case with the story that inspired the exorcism of Emily Rose. And that's based on the real story of Annalise Michael, Michelle. I heard it said two ways. Mickle. I also heard Mickle. Why don't you pick your favorite? Uh, you know, I'm going to call her Annalise. Uh, <laughs> she's a German woman who underwent numerous exorcisms and eventually died during the process. And she's the basis for this um, exorcism of Emily Rose movie. Uh, there's some really dark stuff here. So we'll be posting some of it because there's pictures. There's 
tons of recordings that I listen to that are like crazy. Really? Mm-hmm. And they're all like on the internet. So we'll get into that. Annalise was born Anna Elizabeth Mickle, and she was born on September 21st, 1952. And she was the first of four daughters for Joseph and Anna Mickle. Now, um, there's like a lot in this early background stuff that was contradicted by other sources. So I'm just going to try to do my best to kind of pick the storyline. For one, um, when they were married, her parents, Anna already had a daughter. And I'm unclear if it was her daughter with someone else or with Joseph. But she basically, they ended up having five daughters, but one was pre-marriage. Oh. So I'm not quite sure what the status of her parent, her father is. But regardless, they were a very religious family. They're like hardcore Catholic. In fact, the dad, Joseph, had considered becoming a priest at some point. Three of her her aunts were nuns. Needless to say, Joseph did not become a priest because he had kids. <laughs> we know priests never have sex. Right. <laughs> you know, it's a fact. But he was a fan. Uh, he was a fan of the religion. Okay. He big time Catholic fan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, there was nothing like negative about her upbringing. Her yeah. parents were like very strict. Right. The father supposedly might have suffered from PTSD. He was a POW in oh, uh, yeah. the war. And the mom was just like, I mean, they were religious and very strict family. So it's like that kind of stuff. Like the girls were kept in line. They weren't allowed to talk to boys, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Very controlling environment. As I said, the mom had this illegitimate daughter. When she got married to Joseph, it was such a disgrace to the whole family that she actually had to wear a black veil during the wedding. It's like the scarlet Whoa. A, which I actually think is kind of cool. And if I ever get married, I'm definitely wearing a black veil. <laughs> it's all over. So it's like, thanks for the tip. <laughs> Cute. From a very young age, Annalise was actually encouraged to atone for her mother's sins. Like That's That was rude. something... Pretty fucking rude, right? I mean, we all kind of are in our own way, <laughs> but this was like a legit demand from her mother. So it actually increased when Martha, who was the illegitimate daughter, died at the age of eleven. Um, sorry, age of eight. She had a, a kidney tumor that was being re- removed and died from complications during that surgery. So at that point, it became even more imperative that Annalise, you know, sort of atone for her mother's sins. According to Annalise's mother, Anna, she was a happy child. She liked life. She sang willfully, which is hilarious because I also sing, (laughs) whether you want it or not, that she was a smart girl. Teachers and, you know, people in the neighborhood liked her and complimented her as being like a nice kid. You recently sang willfully at a restaurant. Oh, yeah. You tweeted. (laughs) That's right. The Scientology song. Was that one? No. Oh, I do a lot of This was another instance, and I can cite another instance two years ago when we were eating at matzah, and Desi is on the way to the bathroom, and she whips around, points at me, and goes, ah, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, because Suffragette City was playing. You know what? I like willful singing. I like it. I'm sorry. Um, I had to say that. It's fine. I love talking about me. Uh (laughs) (laughs) So... Annalise like took her devotion next level because she wasn't just atoning for her mom's sins. She started atoning for the um, sins of other people, including homeless drug addicts. And what she would do is that she would sleep on bare stone floors to like punish herself to help them or something. I don't know how those kind of things work. You could just give money. Right. I mean, it was different times back then, (laughs) I guess. 
1968, when Annalise was 16 years old, she began, or she, I guess she began suffering, but it was, she didn't know it was going to be a long-term thing at that point. She had her first seizure and she was at school and she basically blacked out and came to and didn't know what had happened. That night she had an incident that fucked her up really badly and looking back now people speculated that it, it was uh, sleep paralysis mm-hmm. so she woke up basically could not move her body I felt like she couldn't breathe um, so obviously that's fucking scary like yeah I that's think it's a, a real thing it's a real thing and I think it's just more commonly known about now yeah. like back then I don't think anyone knew like as I said before this was the beginning of like every fucking bad thing that's about to happen yeah. in this story she began this process like a very frustrating sp- uh, experience that a lot of people know where you're trying to get medical treatment and no one is finding out what's wrong with you. Yeah. So it's just this constant barrage of going to different doctors, taking tests, you know what I mean? Just doing everything they can to kind of figure out what's happening with her. After the seizure and the sleep paralysis, she actually did start becoming physically ill with other things. Like she became very lethargic, she became depressed, and she started suffering from pneumonia-like symptoms. Once she was sort of more physically sick, she went to a hospital in Middleburg, Germany, uh, and that was a hospital that was designed as a sanatorium for tuberculosis sufferers. But you know, I saw one person say that she might have had tuberculosis, but it wasn't said anywhere else. I do think she had some kind of like walking pneumonia or something like that. While she was there, her religious fervor increased even more. She would pray day and night, and she just dedicated all of her time strengthening her face and her spiritual relationship with God. She did have goals that she wanted to be like a teacher, sort of like in in Christian religion. Uh, I think it was called catechism. So that was her goal. She wanted to like be a teacher mm-hmm. of religious studies. While she was at the hospital, she had another seizure. Everyone in the hospital fucking hated her. Like, really? Yeah. The teenagers fucking could not stand her. Why? I'm imagining it's because she was really religious. Okay. She came from like this super controlled environment. Yeah. So the other kids were probably like, hey, like we're free in the hospital and she's still there like praying. like Right. And just being like this weirdo girl, I guess. Like yeah. they used to call her snot nose. Oh, that's mean. Which I feel like, well, if you're all there with tuberculosis, <laughs> I mean, do any of you have room to judge? <laughs> They just didn't like her. I mean, yeah. I, I guess she was probably weird and maybe she was also really suffering because yeah. this is the first time she's out of this controlled environment. And instead of letting loose and being free, she like contained herself even more yeah. to kind of like deal with it. At some point she woke up in the middle of the night screaming. She had another seizure or a sleep paralysis attack. So she woke up in the middle of the night and screaming. And it was like, that just made the kids hate her even more. It was kind of like this bitch again. Like, do you know what I mean? They just fucking hated her. You know how it is. Like once you decide you're picking on this kid, everything they do is fucking annoying. Right. But she was really suffering and it's just teenagers being assholes. Yeah. This kind of treatment from at the hospital, her, you know, feelings of isolation there without her family made her really sink into a deeper depression at this point. She was eventually given the okay, and she returned back home, but things continued getting worse. She started having trouble speaking, and she also had trouble walking. Like, she would have to hold onto tables and chairs, anything that was around to kind of help her navigate or just stay up. Yeah. She, in June of 1970, she suffered a third seizure, and that was when she was finally prescribed an anticonvulsion drug for the first time. 
Um, but that didn't really do anything. I mean, I think people who are on medications know sometimes it takes a while to figure out the right yeah. drug for, cause there's several drugs for each symptom. So it's like figuring out the right combination or the right drug. She was eventually prescribed another drug, which was used for the treatment of schizophrenia, disturbed behavior and delusions. But once she took that drug, it didn't really stop a lot of the things and her behavior continued to get worse. Now, some of these stories are according to the mom, so let's take them with a grain of salt. (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of this, at this point right now, they don't want to think it's mental illness. They're like searching for what else it could be and they want to find a reason that they can kind of live with. And they're a religious family, so obviously they start going into this as like, what's happening to her? Is she possessed by the devil? Yeah. So Anna recalls a situation where Annalisa's hands appeared to be like extra large, like almost twice their normal size while they're just sitting at the dinner table. Weird. Supposedly, demons are notorious. (laughs) I love that (laughs) demons are notorious for something, for manipulating the physical world. So that they would make things look odd to your to the human eye, like out of sorts or abnormal. Yeah. Annalise actually noticed her hands also at this at this point when they were sort of large, and she said, "I have black hands, Savior, forgive me." So she's really bringing this possession narrative into the fold at this point. Yeah. Around the same time, Annalisa also started having horrifying visions. She claimed to see, see things. One is a quote is, uh, I see devil faces on the walls. They have seven crowns and seven horns. By the way, I was like at Starbucks the other day researching some of this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and I, one of the things they said that she had seen uh, devil faces and I read it as demon or demon faces and I read it as demon feces. <laughs> and for a second I was like, whoa like, what the fuck is demon feces like i'm fucking into it right i was like we need that emoji like a demon feces emoji. <laughs> that's hardcore yeah so sadly it was just demon faces okay I'm that's sorry. boring yeah boring been there done that by 1973 she began hallucinating while she prayed and she started complaining more and more about hearing voices telling her that she was damned and would rot in hell maybe that was just her mom <laughs> yeah yeah she did start seeking treatment in a psychiatric hospital, but none of that helped improve her health. She, I mentioned she was depressed. It got even worse because now she's like actually seeking psychiatric help and that's still not helping her. So she's just getting more and more frustrated because she had been taking drugs at this point for several years. None of that was working. The same year, she went to college at West Germany's University of Würzburg Uh, She did relatively well there, considering what she was going through at the time. People did describe her as sort of, she was suffering from hallucinations of devils, you know, still telling her that she was going to rot in hell and all of this stuff. Uh, She started to smell things, like she would smell burning things, excrement, (laughs) sorry. Uh, And she also was having more sleep paralysis and just feeling like her limbs were paralyzed. She also got a boyfriend at this time named Peter who stays with her till the end, wow. by the way. I know. Isn't that amazing? Good job, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's an ally. That is an ally. <laughs> she also starts... At this point, her depression turns into self-destructive, self-destructive behavior. In 1974, the family is full on board that this is a demonic possession because they're like, the doctors aren't helping us. Medicine isn't working. Nothing is working. Everything is getting worse. And all of this demon shit is coming in. She began to become intolerant of Christian 
like symbols. Like she she would claim like if she had a crucifix on her chest, she wouldn't be able to breathe. Like it was uh, creating this pressure. It's also important to kind of highlight at this time, like this is 1974. The Exorcist is like the biggest movie yeah. in the world, pretty much. It's like a cultural phenomenon. So people are like, the timing is interesting to say yeah. the least, right? At some point she goes to San Damiano, which is a like a Christian pilgrimage that a lot of people go to. She was unable to walk in. She said the floor floor was burning her feet. Um, she couldn't drink the water, like the holy spring water that's there, because it was like burning her. Um, she had more trouble with the crucifix. Like now she couldn't even walk past one. The person who was with her on this pilgrimage was named Mrs. Hine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at some point she says to Mrs. Hine, I am Annalise and I will go for your neck and tear it apart. Then she struck Mrs. Hine in the head violently and had to be physically restrained. So now she's getting outwardly physically violent right. with people. Her whole, not only her family, but now her whole community were convinced that this girl is possessed by the devil. And they're like, get a fucking exorcism. <laughs> the problem is it's actually not that easy to get approved for an exorcism. So she approached several local pe- priests. They all declined to help her and they recommended that she continue her medical treatment. They needed to get a bishop's permission to get this done. Uh, there's like a lot of rules. There's even more now, but back then there was even rules about what it takes to get this permission. And you had to meet like a really stringent set of criteria. Uh, most of them are basically like you have to prove you're possessed and you're under demonic control. Luckily for Annalise, some of the things that she was experiencing, like the dislike of religious objects and stuff like that, were proof of this. So these are like the first indications. So you know, she's on her way. She's on her way to getting approval. (laughs) She kept getting more and more aggressive and she became suicidal and she started doing some fucking gross things. She was eating flies and spiders. Oh, wow. She would, I mean, piss and shit all over the floor and like lick it up. Oh, no. It's disgusting. I mean, something has to be really wrong with you if you're driven to do those things. Right. I mean, there's no doubt there's something wrong. There's something happening with her for sure, but what is it, right? Right. She was also falling more, tripping more. Um, In fact, she was falling and tripping so much that her mom started putting quilts and pillows all over the floor. But according to the mom, the devil is malicious. uh, And Annalisa would always land just slightly off or away from the quilts or pillows on the ground. It just like proved her point even more. Like the devil's not even letting her fall on these pillows. She's like always slightly off. And then to sort of keep herself from being injured, she just started sleeping on the floor at that point. And this lasted for a long time, this kind of stuff. Yeah. The par- family also claimed to experience other outside paranormal activity, including the swarm of flies, my favorite bug, <laughs> flickering lights, telephone calls coming in, etc. like that kind of stuff. So in 1975, they approached the Catholic Church once more about getting an exorcism, and a priest named Father Renz comes by for like a interview, I guess. <laughs> like, hey, let's check it out. A, a home, a home. Uh, what do they call it? A home inspection, uh-huh. like when you're adopting a cat. He kind of comes up with this idea that he's going to give her a mental command, like to kind of test if it's real or not. So he, in his mind, he thinks. Withdraw from her. Say who you are. So at that moment, Annalise like freaks the fuck out. So he says this to her telepathically. Yeah, telepathically he says this to her. This is according to him. Okay. (laughs) There's no evidence of this. 
And the demon starts making itself known. And it was like that moment the priest was like, nope, this isn't epilepsy. She's possessed. Oh, wow. (laughs) After he kind of makes that revelation, apparently she rips the rosary off of his neck and destroys it. The person who I got this story from, his website was like very Catholic. And his like, this made me laugh because he comments on the rosary being Mm -hmm. ripped off. He's like, this made my blood run cold when I read it. Wow. (laughs) It's a rosary. The religious artifact is never touched unless the thing possessing you is extremely powerful. I was like, dude, like, come on. Wait, it's the, it's never touched. Like you're not allowed to touch it. But I was like, I would never know that. I mean, oh, when like you're not allowed to touch it ever. If you're a Catholic, I guess you're supposed to know that. Yeah, but aren't people rubbing those beads all the time? I guess if it's yours, I have no idea. I just thought it was funny because I was like, calm down, like, <laughs> Karen, <laughs> whatever her name was. I like, didn't know that. That's yeah. interesting. She had to make a side note of that, like, wow, like that proves a lot. Like, Right, right. So another local priest, Ernst Alt, is also brought in and he's like, she's not epileptic. Like he also kind of agrees that it's, it's more the than devil. Just, yeah. So they finally urged the local bishop sorry, to allow the exorcism. Now, she had written to Alt before she kind of brought him in. Some of the things she wrote to him are, I am nothing. Every about me, everything about me is vanity. What should I do? I have to improve. You have to pray for me. She's like, I want to suffer for other people, but this is so cruel. So she's starting to also make this like a like a martyr thing. Right. Like not only am I possessed, but it's because the devil knows that I'm here to save people. To be a martyr. So they're going to do, basically what they got permission to do was uh, to exercise according to the ritual Romanum of 1614. Explain. Which is like, I don't know what it is. I guess it's a it's a it's it's an exorcism procedure, like an old school exorcism procedure. Okay. They're also given strict instructions to keep this fucking secret. Like the Catholic Church... They like secrets. <laughs> and they're, this is no different. They don't right. want this to come out because right. it's crazy. Like, it, apparently, it was like very rare to get this kind of approval. I thought it was more common, but I guess it was. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. 
Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've had a really stressful year with work and family stuff, and I know I'm not alone when I say I tend to push that stress down in order to get what I need done, done, and that only makes things worse. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. In the past, therapy has helped me navigate many situations from helping me to set boundaries to just becoming the best version of myself. If you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I love that it's entirely online, so it's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash HCS today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash HCS. The first session, the first official exorcism session starts on sept- in September of 1975. As I said before, her illusions of grandeur are, gro- are growing. She really thinks what's happening to her is because she was put on this earth to help atone for other people's sins. I think at first the priests think that Annalise is only possessed by one demon, but it com- they come to find out that she is possessed by more than six demons. All of her demons are like name brands, by the way. Wait. <laughs> it's what? like her demons are like Lucifer, Judas Iscariot, Nero, Cain, like the guy who killed his brother, Hitler, oh. and a disgraced priest. <laughs> he doesn't get a name. Wait, his was... name is just disgraced priest? I think his name might have been Fleischman. I've seen like it not named. And then a, another time I saw a, a priest talked about called Fleischman. But I just love, I'm, it's kind of like always when people have the past lives, it's never like Oh, I was, you know, Karen from 1944. I was just a mom. Right, right. It's always like famous people, you know, it's like, right. I was Queen Elizabeth and Hitler's daughter. Like, <laughs> Can I ask, speaking of Hitler, of was course. the dad fighting for the Nazis? I couldn't figure that out, but they're German. I mean, you're you a were, de facto. If you were in the war, if you were fight, if you Did were you German. Did you not have to like... I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's not mentioned, but obviously... As I said, the background was sketch, but he was a POW. So, I mean, you put two and two, two together, Rachel. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying the dad's background's a little sus to me. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. Anyone in Germany at that time is sus. <laughs> I mean, sorry. Look, I'm, I didn't make the rules. I'm sorry. All the, all the Jew hairs on my body just stood up right now. When you said, when you mentioned that, I was like, Let's talk about the dad's history. Well, you know, it doesn't mean we shouldn't feel bad for the daughter. <laughs> I'm, okay, that's fine. That's fine. I just thought it was interesting that she named one of the demons Hitler. Right. I just made I mean, me think of that. I was well, like, maybe well, she, you know, we all have rebel against our parents. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, so we're not the political uh, show. Whatever. We're you think. two idiots. <laughs> According to some people, we're two valley girls speaking right. into a microphone. We're not even from the valley. I know. It's an insult. That's okay. a. 
by the way, that's a gendered slur. <laughs> that is a sexist slur. It if is you sexist. say someone uh, has a certain, you never hear about about guys like having valley girls or vocal fry. You or never whatever. hear about Henry Zabrowski being a valley girl. No, and we love Henry <clears throat> Zabrowski. Yeah, we so. like it. We're big fans. Okay. So the illusions of grandeur, and yes, the the name brand demons. A lot of these sessions are recorded, and you can find them on YouTube. There's like a ton of the recordings, and it it sounds like The Exorcist, the movie, like Reagan. Is I mean, your it's voice that kind of stuff. like it's a demony low low voice? <gasps> like I mean, it sounds like Reagan from right. The Exorcist for sure. So in these recordings, a lot of things are said. She claims to see demons jumping around and dancing on the floor next to her. Uh, she's tormenting the priest. She asks the priest if they can see the demons. Her eyes, these are on the recordings, obviously, but her eyes would become black, like, oh, wow. according to the priest, and filled with hate and rage. She also would, like, during these exorcists, like, start tearing all her clothes off and be, like, completely naked. I mean, the pictures of this girl are horrifying. We'll post some of them. She's a wreck. Like, yeah. whatever is happening to her, it is taking a physical toll on her body. The picture, She's not sleeping. Yeah. She's got cuts and bruises everywhere. She's, you know, thin as fuck, like, super fucking skinny. According to um, Annalisa's mother, one night at dinner, the chair that Annalisa was sitting on is suddenly ripped out from under her by some unseen force, and Annalise jumps high above the chair, which, considering how weak she was at that point, was, like, you know, powerful to the mom. Like, whoa, like, she doesn't have the strength to put herself up like that. Some, another priest at some point arrives with a bottle of normal tap water and a bottle of holy water from that uh, pilgrimage, the San Damiano. And Annalise took the holy water and threw it at him. And supposedly the bottle stops midair and like just kind of hovers there for a bit. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like these weird kind of like cinematic sort of uh, supernatural moments. Another thing that happened was Annalise was standing in a hallway and she kicked a cup of water over as if she was like kicking a football and the cup flew across the room. However, not a single drop was spilled and the cup landed. I mean, these are all like, like magic tricks. That happened to me one time, actually. <laughs> it's like I dropped something and it landed straight up and it was like a smoothie or something. Did everyone see that? Yeah. I was like, guys, I'm possessed. <laughs> Whoa. As I said before, her boyfriend, Peter, was like super good boyfriend. He's with her through all of this. Like, That's can you so imagine? Nice. So he would always come by to spend time with her, but she like would literally sit there, not talk to him, and then all of a sudden just be like screaming out the most horrifying things in like a rage episode, and he would just kind of patiently sit there, and then she would kind of grow stoic and say to him, I am of a stony heart. She also started becoming more physically abusive to her sisters and her mom and and Peter too. Like she would bite them and lash out at them and just like fucking assault them all the time. In July of 1975, that's when Annalise began to claim that she was being visited by Mother Mary. The first vision happened when she was taking a walk with Peter, actually. At some point, she drops to her knees and claimed that she was speaking to the Virgin Mary. Two months later, she claims that she was visited again and that it was the Virgin Mary who asked her to continue doing her penance for lost souls. So she's definitely working on that, like, yeah, this is not happening to me because I'm bad. It's happening to me because I'm good and needed in this world. I mean, I think a lot of people 
especially someone like her, want to feel like there's like a purpose. Mm-hmm. People started viewing her as this saintly figure now, including her her mom and other people in the village. So the, so she's not damned to eternal hell, according to I the guess, mom anymore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At one session with the uh, Father Renz, they bring up this Mother Mary thing to kind of piss the demons off. So they basically claim, they like tell the demons, you know, like, hey, we're praying with the mother of God right now. Uh, and they say, why don't you join us? <laughs> like this kind of stuff. I mean, I'm probably, I'm like, you know, loosely telling the story right. here. No, but they say it. Yeah, they're basically I, saying this. And they're like, come sing this hymn, Magnificent, with us. So the priest began to sing. And like within a few lines of their starting this hymn, the demons began to scream and shriek in pain and terror. Like, we hate this song. Yeah. And here's what they're screaming. Rachel, I picked the story out specifically for you. Thank you. <laughs> they start, the demons start screaming, she's coming, she's coming. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. That's awesome. Here's a transcript uh, from one of the tapes. She's coming, she's coming, the priest. My soul worships God. The demons. She's coming. <laughs> I can imagine that as that like dot dot dot. She's coming. Yeah. She's coming. Yeah. I love this song. Yeah, it's great. It's my ringtone. According to the priest, that made their hair stand on end. Uh, they had never encountered anything like this before. I mean, that's a very typical priest. What they always say during an exorcism, right? It's like whoa. That makes them believe even more that she's like with Mary, like the fact that these demons are so tortured just by hearing this kind of shit. At some point, hearing this torment from the demons, the priests drop to their knees and greet Mary as she arrives to the scene. I mean, this Do they see Mary? That's what according to them. Okay. At this point, Father Ren says to the demons, which of you will leave first? After a slight pause, the first to answer was the fallen priest. He had to say who he was and why he was damned to eternal suffering in hell, and then he was allowed to leave. Now, there's like a few stories that like they got rid of all these demons, but then they would come back. So I'm not really quite sure. I mean, the thing is, when something's not true, it's very easy to get confused <laughs> right. on what really happened. So the exorcism process eventually, over about a year or like 10 months, Whoa. 67 exorcism rites were performed on Annalise over a 10-month period. And that's about like one or two per week. And I'm exhausted just from having to go to therapy once a week. <gasps> I know. So this is an, in- if you haven't guessed, this is an intense process. To- so to do that that many times right. is crazy. During this time, Annalise continued doing hella gross things. Like <laughs> she would continue just pissing everywhere. She continued eating bugs she would she actually bit the head of a bird off so she started eating like beyond that and she also started had like an obsession with eating coal so coal and that i think coal is why she broke a lot of her teeth like she was biting into like coal and breaking her teeth which i'm sure were weakened from malnourishment like where'd she get the coal from i don't this is me i'm like it's germany like it's the olden days but it is the 70s i mean maybe they used coal they had coal gas Coal, like I just pictured like munching on charcoal briquettes. From- right. I don't think they were as soft. Right. Those, Those are kind of soft. Like soft. But I don't, I don't know. know. That's what, look, that's, I'm just telling you what I read, Rachel. Okay, thank I need you. like a science fucking question. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and on one occasion, she got under the table and barked like a dog for two days. Like that Two would days? Be, that would be the end for me. Right. I'd be like, get out. I'd be like, you're going to the pound. You're going to the pound. You're a pound puppy now. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> The other sort of horrifying thing is that she actually ruptured 
her knee ligaments from genuflections. What? Genuflections are where you go down on one knee and you get up. And she would do that hundreds of times a day. It's like a religious thing. Okay. So she did that so many times, she actually ruptured the ligaments in oh. her knee, which is like something that sends me over the fucking uh, Yeah, edge. me too. Like, I'm, I it have is the so, heebie-jeebies. Because I could picture, I was like, if I do one knee bend, I'm done. <laughs> like, she did that so many times that she actually like destroyed her knees. No, that's like really bothering me right now because I'm actually having problems with my right knee currently <laughs> because of a Tracy Anderson workout video I did. <laughs> You know what? Tracy Anderson workout, exorcism, same thing. Honestly, it is. If you've ever watched one of her YouTube videos. I've done one of her videos, but I don't like where she's like, you have to do the hip thing. Oh my God. Where it's like a dance move. Yeah, I was doing the abs. cardio I was like, dance. Just make me do sit-ups. I'm not doing this like workout where I'm like shaking my hips. I'm well, sorry. Look, I it's can't. Gwyneth Paltrow's personal trainer <laughs> and her body is tight. Right. Well, she also doesn't eat food. <laughs> she true. eats like moon juice. That's true. <laughs> Around Easter of that year, her convulsions actually started again, and she stopped stopped eating and drinking almost completely to protect herself against Satan's influence. And she was, at that point, very committed. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? That's exactly what I called the Del Taco I had in my car at 3 a.m. the other night with Satan's <laughs> influence. You know what? Satan works in mysterious ways, and for, <laughs> for different people, it means different things, Rachel. So she, at this point, was very committed to dying to atone for the other sins. Like I'd be committed to dying just because I'd be like, put me out of my misery. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty horrifying. It's awful. Uh, so during the final exorcism, Annalisa's parents, she was so weakened uh, that her parents had to carry her through the motions and wow. do the genuflections for her. Like she wow. couldn't physically do it anymore. She weighed 68 pounds. <gasps> Okay, which is, I don't know how tall she was, but that's not, even if she was no, five feet tall, that's, that's too not skinny. normal. And she eventually does die on July 1st, 1976. The official cause of death was dehydration and malnutrition due to being in a semi starvation state for almost a year, basically. Wow. She also had like other sort of borderline, like some pneumonia. And as I said before, her both of her knees were broken yeah. due to that uh, genuflections. Her final words to her exorcist were beg for absolution and to her mother were mother, I'm afraid. Oh. I mean, it's... That's so sad. It's pretty brutal. Yeah. Okay. So after this happened, people were not fucking happy. <laughs> like, it, her parents and the priest were both fucking reamed for what they had done to her. In particular, like... like in particular that was really galling was several medical specialists came out and said, if you had just fed her, force fed her one week before this happened, she would be alive. Like, right. They just, at some point they literally did nothing medical this, anymore. Like, right. because they had just given up on that aspect of things. Like, so they stopped. She wouldn't eat, but they could have had her committed or whatever. Fed given, with like, the tube. Yeah. There was things they could have done. So they did no medical like the last 10 months of her life, she was not seeing medical doctors anymore. They were just relying on these two priests. In 1976, the state charged her parents and the two priests with negligent homicide. During this period, her body was exhumed and tapes were played to the court of the exorcisms that happened over that last year or whatever, 10 months. Her parents' lawyers were paid for by the Catholic Church. Uh, and the state was not recommending that they be jailed 
they thought like what they had suffered through was enough. So it was just like this big trial though that they wanted I think more the priest to pay a price than the parents. This, the trial started in March 30 on March 30th, 1978. Uh, and it had an intense fucking interest. Like there hadn't been a trial in Germany that was followed like this since the Nazi uh, war, like war criminal, whatever right. trials that had happened. There was lots of psychologists brought in. Um, so everything was put into play here. They talked about her strict religious upbringing. They talked about her epilepsy. A doctor came in to kind of give his opinion on it. And he, uh, the devil said to him, there's no injection against the devil, Annalise. Like, sorry. Wow. There's no injection against the devil. For some reason, sounds vaguely sexual to me. Like, oh yeah? <laughs> prove it. <laughs> I'll prove it. I'm going to peg you, Satan. I'm sorry. <laughs> the exorcism was considered legal at that time. And it was protected, I guess, under some like religious belief yeah. act in German law. Uh, the defense did play the tapes of these exorcism sessions, and they showed the pictures. Some of the tapes had, like, demons arguing. Um, so they were like, here's our proof that she was actually possessed. They, they mentioned that it was Lucifer, Cain, Hitler, and Nero. Like, But the, the reality was this evidence they presented, as much as it might have proven, and that's in air quotes, possession, it basically showed... These people did jack shit to this woman right. to really help her in any any way. Right. So they're like showing these pictures of her in a horrifying state to prove the possession. But, but they weren't were, taking her to the doctor. Yeah, people were like, uh, <laughs> you didn't take her to a hospital or even bring a doctor in. Like, So it kind of backfired on them slightly. The bishop also kind of bailed on them, <laughs> like the one who approved it. The bishop was the like, bishop I don't was know like, her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, he said that he did not approve the exorcism and if he, or, or not that he didn't, if he had known about her health condition up until that point, he would not have approved the exorcism. So they were found guilty of manslaughter. Wow. Uh, and, and the parents. The parents and the priest were found guilty of manslaughter resulting from negligence, but they didn't get much sentencing. They were sentenced to six months in jail, which was suspended, and they got three years of probation. I mean, the prosecution wasn't really going for much, but it seemed even lighter than most people thought they would get. Yeah. He was more concerned about the priest getting fined, and the church, it kind of, he wanted to bring, like I said before, attention to the, what the church was doing and kind of get them to change their rules. Most people at that time, at this point now, are like, this is a misidentification of mental illness. Like, she was not diagnosed properly. Yeah. So, uh, after the trial, Annalise actually was buried in a local cemetery by her sister who had died, Martha. And that was an area that was reserved for suicides or illegitimate children. I mean, people are so oh fucked up God. when I read shit like this. I'm like, who? Like, come on. Like, dude. Why, why would you? So, she was kept there, and then a non- Nun in southern Bavaria had a vision of Annalise's body being fully intact in the grave. So they um, had her exhumed to see... Fully like, intact? Like that she wasn't deteriorating in any way. In any oh, way. okay. Uh-huh. So they had her body exhumed. Um, her body had decayed a normal amount, so that was not whatever. The mom was like, oh, it's because it's a cheap coffin, and then they replaced her coffin with like a tin-lined oak coffin. But her grave has become a pilgrimage, Many people think that what she was saying was true, that she was sort of like a saint-like figure. So they kind of visit her grave as if it was like a, a pilgrimage or whatever. The church did change its position on her, officially stating that she was not possessed, that she was mentally ill. A lot of people 
say that this was like a real turning point for the Catholic Church. It did cause them in 1984 to kind of fine-tune some of these exorcism rules. Uh, and that got even further sort of tightened up in yeah. 1999. I think most of the rules have to do with like making sure that you're not confusing mental illness with demonic possession. Yeah. A Jesuit priest named Ulrich Niemann, he basically, as a doctor, he's like a doctor um, and a Jesuit priest. So this is a quote from him. As a doctor, I say there is no such thing as possession. In my view, these patients are mentally ill. I pray with them, but that alone doesn't help. You have to deal with them as a psychiatrist, but at the same time, when the patient comes from Eastern Europe and believes that he's been impaired by evil, it would be a mistake to ignore his belief system. So basically he's saying treat it, but also know, like kind of respect where they're coming right. from. I think that's fair. Right. So another person that has diagnosed her like post, you know, after the fact that she had some variation of uh, disassociate, disassociative identity disorder, like what they call multiple personality now. Um, another woman who wrote a book on this says that the problem might have actually been that she was never epileptic. In that case, the medicines that she was taking were actually like intensifying right. what she was dealing with. Like right. if she was on the wrong medications, it could have made things worse. That's and like that's like very in house the TV show. Someone always gets right. like more sick because of the wrong medication. They're treating the wrong thing and it's inflaming right. something. I mean, I know that's real <laughs> life, not based on a TV show. Yeah, but I'm just yeah, saying. it happens. So as I said. The rules all got stricter because of this. Uh, some people also speculate that she had untreated schizophrenia. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you can find Reddit boards where people, it's like threads of people going, what about this and this medication? So if you want to do a deep dive into the effects of medication and all of that Interesting. stuff, you can go look it up. It just was too much to get into here. Now, obviously, Annalise's mom, you know, was alive much longer. And some of her things that she had said in interviews that were some interviews I saw from 2005 and 2007. So pretty, not like crazy long ago. No, pretty recently. Pretty recent. She she claims that a lot of those um, presence feelings that an entity was with her stayed with her and kind of traveled as she went along in life. Like these leftover haunting kind of things from her experience with Annalise. So I mean, who knows? Well, it could be trauma. Right. Yeah. That's called untreated trauma, right. Annalise's mother. Right. You need to go to therapy. Yeah. She also, in a 2005 interview, she's quoted as saying, I know that we did the right thing because I saw the sign of Christ in her hands. She was bearing stigmata, and that was a sign from God that we should exercise the demons. She died to save other lost souls to atone for their sins. Annalise was a kind, loving, sweet, and obedient girl, but when she was possessed, it was something unnatural, something you couldn't explain. She goes on to say that she does not regret what they did to Annalise Whoa. and that there was no other way, that that was what they had to do, basically. Wow. I mean, I feel like that's a lot, too, with the mom, where it's like you want to make sure, you want to believe your daughter died for a higher purpose and not right. because... And that you didn't, that you didn't inadvertently contribute. kill your yeah, daughter. if it was like what we had to do, we had to do. Right. That was it. That's pretty much that. Now I'm going to talk a little bit about the movie, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, uh, I think I saw this movie when it came out, but I really had no memory of it. And then I started playing it, and I was like, oh, fuck. You remember like, it? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like basically a courtroom drama. Really? Yeah. So 
it's, it's starts, not even a horror. It does go back in time, but it's the framework is this trial. So you start where it's like Laura, it stars Laura Linney uh-huh. uh, and Tom Wilkinson and Campbell Scott, who I realized I was like, oh, I have like a massive crush on Campbell Scott. Does the movie take place in America? Yeah, it's pretty Americanized. Like, I, I can't remember. I mean, it's not like, it doesn't seem German at all. Like, honestly, I was falling in and sleep when I was watching it. But it's pretty American. Like, no one has accents. Okay. Or it's like, it looks like America. And I think she's like in a farm. Yeah, it's American. The girl who plays Emily Rose is Dexter's sister. I can't remember her name. Oh. And I think this was her first big role. Yeah. She's really good in she's it. She's great. This is basically a lot of the stuff that happens in this movie is exactly what happened to Annalise. She, she is an American. I'm sorry. She's a 19 year old American teenager, and she's also from a religious family. So we start off in this courtroom trial. The priest is on trial, basically not the parents. It's the priest. Uh, Laura Lenny is his lawyer, and she's basically like, "Yeah, sure, I'm going to take this case because it's going to get me to be partner." It's like one of those right. stories, right? And it's going to be a big hubbub. So everything is the same. Like she has the seizures. She gets in. You know, she's going to college. She's in this uptight family. Um, eventually it turns into demonic possession. Some of the things that are kind of different though, there's like a medical doctor who's a bigger character in this. So there's like things where he starts figuring things out and he's like, he's like initially a skeptic and then he starts seeing things that he, that is out of his experience. Right. And he's like, whoa, like it really is the devil. Um, at some point that character, the doctor, once he's like, I can't remember if he's exactly running with a document to prove something, <laughs> but it's along the lines of that kind of scene, which right. I think happened in, in Rosemary's Baby, yeah. right? Where the doctor's on the phone and they find out that he knows something about the Tannis route. Um, and he gets hit by a car. Right. So eventually, like, the priest is found guilty, um, but it's kind of like, the Catholic church is sort of in on it too. And they're like, just like, keep it quiet. We're going to, you're not going to suffer any consequences. Just admit that you were lying or like one of those kind of things. Yeah. So they do. And then Laura Lenny's character is completely like changed. She's like, now I don't even want to be partner. Cause like this has affected my life in such a dramatic way. They actually, she also has the whole Virgin Mary thing happen to her. Emily Rose. So the ending of the movie is basically they go to her grave um, and the priest is like, the time will come where she is actually declared a saint. Like, so they really up the idea that Emily Rose is actually a saint. So it's kind of like that arc of like, no yeah. one believes things. The lawyer's like, whatever, haha, just doing this for my career. The doctor doesn't believe. In the end, everyone comes to believe that this is what really is true and what's happening. So I don't even know if I can recommend the movie. <laughs> If I don't board. I, don't I mean, know. it was a really big movie, but I don't know if anyone liked it. Well, I was thinking of like the other Exorcist movie that I did like a lot, and I couldn't remember what it was called, but it was called The Last Exorcism. Did you see that one? I didn't see that one. That one's really good. Really? I like that one better. And that one, I think I watched it like at a Thanksgiving one time <laughs> where people are like, you know how you have to decide a movie with 20 people and yeah. it's like fucking nightmare? Yeah, it's And the you're worst. just kind of like, whatever, I don't fucking care. I'm like, so you all watched a horror movie? We watched The Exorcism or The Last Exorcism, I'm yeah. pretty sure. And that one was fucking scary. Really? Yeah. So that one I recommend. Yeah. Uh, it's not a courtroom trial. <laughs> There's something when I the courtroom started, I was like, oh, brother. Like, the last <laughs> thing go. I want to focus on is the fucking trial. Like, That's so weird. I just... I think they were trying to elevate a horror movie. You know when they try to do that, like, 
this is a real movie. It's right. not just a horror movie. Right. Like, we have Laura Linney. Okay, bitches. Like, <laughs> who I love. <laughs> I love her too. She's great. But yeah, it was just kind of okay. like a I know what you're saying. Fest. So were there other exorcism movies that you like? It's weird. I just don't. I'm not a big exorcism. But what movie about these fan. like hauntings, like The Conjuring or The Haunting in Connecticut? Like any of those? I'm movies? just not like. That's just. I mean, like, yeah, they're fine, but like, my favorite haunted movie is The Others with Nicole oh, yeah. Kidman. That's really good. I love that movie. It's a slow burn. The atmosphere is really creepy. Yeah, I love it. The kids are good. Nicole. I mean, it's like a play. It's really like a play. It's perfect. Movie. And it's such a perfect movie to me. Like that. I think, like, just off the top of my head, like that's one of my favorite ghosts. I don't movies. think a lot of them are great. They're most of them seem to be based on the Warren couple now. Yeah, I'm just you know? not that it's into like the, the Conjuring Warrens. and like the Anna, what was the doll? Is that Annabelle? Annabelle? Yeah. Although I know I mentioned this before, but when the trailer for Annabelle came out, I was going through a really hard time in my life, and I started crying at the end of the trailer because that doll face freaked me out really bad. Uh, I don't think you mentioned that. I didn't. You did you started crying? Well, it was like <laughs> I feel like I would remember that thing dunking on you constantly. Dude, it was like when, well, I was like going through like a really hardcore PTSD incident uh, in my life. This was like six years ago, so you don't need to feel sorry for me. But like I was in the movie theater and I was like just like on edge and like I was kind of agoraphobic at that point and I'm like, it was like a big deal that I was like going out to the movies. And then the Annabelle the Annabelle trailer came on and it was just like this jump cut at the end, like zoomed in on our face and I was like, it was just like I was whimpering. I was like, I can't. Like, I can't right now. That happened to me when I saw a trailer. I can't remember the movie, but it was something like with an evil baby. <laughs> <laughs> and in the trailer, I was like watching the trailer. And in the trailer, the baby at some point, like the mom, the baby dies but comes back to life. I think it's a recent movie. And the mom decides that she's going to raise it. And the baby crawls up the mom and oh, starts no. to nurse. Oh, no. And is like ripping her nipple off. Oh. And mom's like, oh. And I was like, dude, I'm about to fucking faint. Like, right. how dare you? That's so gross. <laughs> it was so gross. But that I had like that kind of reaction to that trailer. Where I, I was mean, just like, I'm going to lose my shit. I will never get this out of my head. Sometimes I feel like an anomaly of a horror fan. Like, maybe I'm just like thinking of myself way too special. But like, I love the genre. I love it so much. But there, I'm not one of those horror fans who is like too proud to be like, I'm not scared of anything. I've seen it all. It's get. not even like necessarily scary but if it like makes me like like i've told you before like how i can't take watching a scalping like right there's certain things that have a reaction with me and it's not even like a fright thing it's just like that makes me feel it too much like i can't watch that so yeah i don't like nipples being ripped off or scalpings i don't like it either that's why gainesville ripper was hard last week right no it's like i'm not even too bugged by gore because I know a lot of people have a problem when it's too gory. Just because depends. it's so fake to me, I'm just like, uh, like there's whatever. some gore I really love. Like the gore in Halloween was great. Oh right, it was a lot of gore, but it was great gore. The yeah. gore I don't like is like hostile. I don't want to see people being tortured. That's no. not a horror movie to me. That's just fucking gross. I don't want to see it. Well, because you just picture them thinking of these scenes. Like how can we? It hasn't yeah. really to do with anything really. Well, yeah, I, I mean, like it when it's part of the story. Totally. Like, it doesn't bother me, those gory scenes, but I'm just like, why? Like, Well, if the yeah. whole movie is that, and like, I'm sorry, that's like what watch the it. whole movie is. Yeah. I don't like it. Um, okay, so that's that, I think. So check us out on Facebook. We have a fan page or a friend page, yeah. Hollywood Crime Scene friend page. If you want to be our patron, you can do that at um, patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. 
you want to give us a one-time donation, you can do that. We don't care. Right. We don't care. We're happy. We'll take it. Uh, there is bonus content on Patreon, though. So if you want to like donate for one month and cancel and listen to everything, there's like that's fine. Probably a hundred episodes of bonus content. Yeah. So you can get something for your money. Uh, I mean, you already get our wonderful show. But you can get that as well. <laughs> Uh, also want to remind you, we're doing the book review to get, you can review us on iTunes. If you don't want to give us any money, do that. That's yeah, nice. We that helps it. us. Give us five stars. Or if you want to write a review, we're having a, the contest again this month and we are giving away a Black Dahlia book. Right. So do that. And thank you for listening. Yeah. Just do that too. Thank you guys Bye. so much. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 